Rave Radio. Gary Kay's Almost Daily Rants and Raves. The Week. The Women in AV Wavecast. Green AV. You're listening to the Women in AV Wavecast. Brought to you by Rave Pubs Radio and sponsored by Hypersign. You can find Hypersign at www.hypersign.net. You can learn all about their digital signage solutions developed by CQ Media Networks and what they offer for you in the AV industry. And to listen to this podcast and all the other Rave Pubs Radio podcasts, visit www.ravepubsradio.com. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you can join us today. We have a very special guest with us, and I'm really thrilled and honored to bring to you the co-founder of a nonprofit organization called ITDRC. And ITDRC is a disaster response IT organization, and they have and do go out whenever disaster hits across our country. They just roll. They go out and they actually bring IT connectivity. They bring computers, networks, and in the past couple of months, we've also, as an AV industry, have partnered with them and are really happy and look forward to being able to help them in the future. So I'm really privileged to have with me here today the co-founder, someone who is a great friend of the AV industry and someone who I'm very honored to call my own personal friend, Joe Hillis. So Joe, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Jennifer. I appreciate you having me. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. I mean, we'll get to it in a minute, but truth be told, you're in the middle of Moore, Oklahoma. Is that not true? It is. Uh, we've been here since uh, last week. I think it's our fifth or sixth day on the ground now. Sorry, they're starting to run together. And so, yeah, the community was struck pretty hard by an EF5 tornado. And so I, we're just trying to do our little part to help them get back on their feet afterwards. Yeah, uh, well, you, you do amazing work. And, and what was the concept behind it? And why was it that you decided to take on this initiative? Well, the uh, the original concept was introduced by a, a guy named Andrew Rossi in New York after the 9-11 attacks. There was a, obviously, it took out the infrastructure in that entire area there. Uh, he proposed the creation of a technology a core of volunteers, so credentialed uh, volunteers that could pitch in in times of natural disaster or national disaster. And his vision was for it to be much like the National Guard. And so he introduced this to a Senator Wyden out of Oregon, who actually introduced this to Congress in late 2001. They ultimately established or they, they authorized the creation of the Net Guard, National Emergency Technology Guard, uh, in the Homeland Security Act of 2002. So I got wind of it back in late 2002, early 2003, and thought it was something I might want to participate in. Um, we watched it for several years, and nothing ever really happened. In 2007, there was a little bit of movement on it. For one reason or another, they funded a pilot program, and that was they created four pilot programs around the country. So Austin, Texas, uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, there's one in Utah and one in Indiana as well. So after watching the, uh, the basically the RFP for that, it, it kind of did not mix with or did, didn't match what my vision was for it. And so uh, basically after their pilot program, we, uh, there was no movement again. So that's when we actually launched this as a, at a national level as a nonprofit. So technically we're the first private 
net guard team uh, in the United States. And also the only one, as if I understand correctly, is that right? I know. I, my belief is yes. I know that there were some uh, some initiatives, particularly one in California, that FEMA had or Homeland Security had approached to be part of the pilot program as well. But you know, to my knowledge, that's that's not a functioning team. I think it was they were just trying to introduce a proof of concept for that. So, yeah, my belief is we we're the only privatized one at this point. And, and what is it that your organization does? I mean, for our listeners out there, ITDRC, I mean, we're an AV organization. So, I mean, there's so much similarities and, and ways that we are looking in and beginning to come together. But what exactly is it that your organization does for people in an event of disaster? Well, there's really a lot of things that we do, and obviously every disaster is different. All the needs depend on the needs of the community. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of variables when it comes down to, you know, what we can do or what we do in disaster. What we can do in disaster is basically anything technical. When I say technical from the IT side or, unfortunately, now the AV side as well. So uh, too often we get called um, by whether it's a, a community, whether it's a church, whether it's you know just a community organization, uh, an incident management team, and, and they a lot of times they've been affected. You know, most particularly government side, uh, most organizations don't have fairly have enough people to conduct business day to day, much less when a disaster strikes their organization, much less their community. So a lot of times we we provide you know search resources or force, force multipliers where we can help them, whether it's you know, stand up a temporary infrastructure, whether it is to, uh, you know, help restore some services that they've lost during the disaster. Just uh, anything really IT-wise. Fortunately, we have a diverse staff of volunteers. They come from basically all, all technology industries, if you will. So, you know, the skill sets are basically, we have so many different skill sets available to help a community in disasters. So that's effectively what we do. Sometimes it's as simple as just, you know, providing guidance, consulting for them. Sometimes all they want is uh, a dozen laptops, you know, to borrow that for a while. Sometimes they want a full-blown infrastructure at an alternate emergency, you know, operations center. We've got, a, obviously, a command bus that we've had cities actually come and uh, work out of this bus because they've lost their their facilities. So there's a lot that we can actually bring. And, you know, obviously, we couldn't do that without, you know, A, our volunteers, and B, our partnerships in industries. Right. And, I mean, as if that's not enough, when you're not responding to a disaster, you also do the disaster preparedness. I mean, you spend a lot of time on the road traveling around having workshops where you actually teach people. Is that that's correct about how to what they should be doing to prepare for that? We do. We A couple of years ago, our, our board decided that, you know, I mean, obviously part of our mission is to prepare communities for disaster as well as respond to disaster. So a couple of years ago, we undertook a, um, we, we tried to put on 25 or visit 25 cities or put on 25 workshops a year for the community. And it's basically, you know, we've got half day and full day workshops. We invite them in. We try to set their expectations of what to expect in disaster and, and it's not it's not necessarily you know although we are a, a technology centric organization too often we've responded to you know more than two dozen uh, disasters in the last couple of years and, and these are large disasters for the most part things that just exceed the capacity of the local community so we try to convey what we've learned in that to people and sometimes when they understand that you know I, I think my perception is, is you know I know they built my house in four months 
And I think, you know, everybody's perception is, is, well, if there was a disaster, they would rebuild my house in four months. But the reality of it is, is the, the city or the community may not let the, you know, even release a building permit for the first two or three months after a disaster and then finding a contractor. So it could be a year before somebody actually gets their house rebuilt. So it, it's like I say, it's not all technology stuff. And we try to share, you know, our experiences and, and try to set expectations to, to help, you know, help them. And it's not only, I mean, it's, it's not only individuals, but it's, you know, it's businesses, it's cities. I mean, you know, it's, it's nonprofits folks like that. So that's really what the preparedness um, workshops are all about. We're uh, kind of winding down our 2013 tour. We did have to defer a couple. We've actually been called off of, uh, of our tour twice now because of disasters. We responded to the West Texas explosion um, uh, a little, I guess it's been close to a month ago, uh, and then uh, now the Moore, Oklahoma tornadoes. So, yeah, this is uh, 2013 is, is turning out to be a busier year than normal. Right. And you, I mean, you, you also are, you know, trying to get information and education in a lot of regards all the way up to the highest levels of FEMA. Is that not right? You're on a very important FEMA task force based off of the work that you did in Sandy. So you're really not just working with the uh, local agencies. You're also trying to get initiatives and things off the ground at the federal government. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think where this fits in, and it's, you know, it's FEMA, it's Department of Homeland Security. In disaster, there are a lot of organizations that take over, and typically they're more focused on the response to the disaster. One of the things that FEMA's done differently now is they've kind of, well, they created a team, and this is part of the FEMA Think Tank initiative, which is, put out, which is actually under the direction of the Deputy Administrator of FEMA. And so they created a, uh, a task force, as you say, and it's, it's uh, called the FEMA Innovation Team. Now, this was stood up. Our first deployment was during Hurricane Sandy. So effectively, what this is, these are people that come from all walks, if you will, that have kind of an interest in this. The team, I think, during Sandy was 25 or so people. You know, our mission was really to go out into the community and find out, you know, what can, uh, what can FEMA improve upon. How can technology help, you know, help communities recover in disaster? And so we learned a lot of things during Hurricane Sandy. And so now there are a lot of initiatives to take what we learned during Hurricane Sandy and try to incorporate that into disaster, future disaster responses. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honored to be part of that team. Uh, there's certainly a lot of great people on it. It's expanded since, um, you know, since we deployed during Hurricane Sandy. And so I'm definitely advocating at the highest levels right now and, and particularly for communities, and, and, and more so for technology and disaster. Well, we're very proud and very grateful for you for uh, doing that for us. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I was on the road seven months last year, and this year we've been on the road almost, well, two or three months this year already. I haven't gone back to look at it. So um, I'm very fortunate. My wife is able to travel with me uh, most of the time, and uh, so, you know, I'm also able to do my work. I mean, obviously, I still have a full-time job, so I'm, I'm still able to do my work. You know, after hours, you know, could, I, I could be sitting outside on a, you know, on the bottom of a bucket, and as long as I have connectivity, I'm still able to take care of my work. So, yeah, absolutely, it is. It, it's a busy schedule, but I mean, I certainly enjoy it. So. Well, and, and I'm being a little facetious when I ask about your family because Debbie, your wife, she does come with you everywhere and you guys are known as the sort of dream team, right? Is that regards she's always with you in, in terms of responding to disasters? 
Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about the dream team part, but um, <laughs> I'll tell you that I got a I got a hundred guys from the military, you know, fifteen feet away from me, and none of their wives are here. So I guess in a way, maybe maybe we are the dream team. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, certainly. I mean, it takes a lot of also on on her part and for your family's part. You're the co-founder of your organization is also somebody who is actually in the AV industry, is he not? He does video conferencing. He does. He does. He, he is a video VTC engineer. That's great. So you guys really are in perfect uh, sort of response. You had mentioned the Sandy efforts and all that you had done during Sandy. And one of the things about the Sandy efforts was that's when you and I came to know each other and where we got involved and reached out and sort of said, hey, we've got something for each other. And that's where I myself had the opportunity. And it's very interesting with social media, with the way that things all happen today. It was through social media that I had learned from the Women in AV organization about efforts that you were already undertaking, and it was through that with your partnership that you were working with Access Networks, and also a blog that I had seen from one of our other partners, JD Systems, who had a separate, they're based out of New York, and they were also doing their own efforts, the Carl V. Binney Foundation. So as an organization that wanted to help, I, you know, asked, what can we do? And that's, that's sort of how we got to know each other. So tell me a little bit, first of all, uh, what your efforts were with the Sandy hurricanes that hit last fall. Well, we, we had been monitoring the, the hurricanes, which we typically do when we have, you know, what I guess we somewhat call it almost a planned event, as opposed to these tornadoes that give us, you know, 15 minutes notice or something like that. But we had been monitoring that for a couple of days before. We actually got a, a phone call from somebody somewhere along the way connected us with FEMA. FEMA had a, a particular need during during the Sandy response, and so we um, I told you we deployed, or I'm sorry that I, I deployed under the FEMA Innovation Team, which was really a great opportunity for us to get kind of behind the scenes to understand where the issues were and whatnot. Early into our response, we noticed that our, our actually. A guy at Access Networks had reached out to us, and he said, hey, we've got some equipment for you. And obviously, this was something that we needed. And uh, we, we ourselves as an organization were not ready for what Sandy really brought. I mean, Sandy was uh, huge. You know, we, we typically respond to much smaller disasters and, you know, certainly never to one that's affected 8, 9 million people. Yeah, that was kind of our, our introduction to the AV side, and I and I got to be honest. I mean, I never, I just totally overlooked that. I mean, I had my head stuck in the ground with the whole IT group, and with the convergence of AV and IT, I found out there's a whole other side to this. With you know, folks that are technicians that were you know equally qualified to do exactly the kind of stuff we were doing. So uh, it was a great thing, and we did we did actually get involved with um, um, you know several people. So not only Access Networks, but JD Systems. Dish became part of that Dish network, and they you know were actually going out and, and installing Dish systems in you know like the shelters and places like that. And that's another place where Women in AV was really instrumental. I mean, the the program that we really worked on, we kind of. Uh, poured our hearts and souls into, which was, right. you know, for the Thanksgiving Day, was to, you know, 
make sure that everybody that was in a shelter who, you know, was displaced, and, and there were tens of thousands of them, you know, staying in shelters at the time. So, you know, that was something that, you know, my hat's off to the women in the Navy for, you know, just wanting to take this on. And, and as you well know, I mean, it wasn't, we had very little time to try to cover a lot of ground and try to put the Thanksgiving Day Parade in these shelters and, and Jen you, you pulled it off I'm, I'm not sure how you did it but you pulled it off well thank so. you and I mean and like you mentioned you know Access Networks um, I know that they were they were helping you with your core business of setting up the wireless network and Dish Networks was helping with getting sort of that infrastructure so that they, we could get the cable television but then we also had companies such as one of the major supporters of this is Rave Publications and it was because of us being able to get the word out to our AV through their publication we had responses from, you know, Draper Incorporated. We had um, responses from Visex. We had people such as Dave Silken out of Long Island, who was at the time with Digital Sales Group. And I mean, he literally just about took apart his showroom in order for us to be able to get these shelters, a projector, a projection screen, and a PA system so that, as you mentioned, all of these displaced people who, especially in New York, knowing how much the Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day Parade, Dish Network technicians literally were there the day before in Long Island and Staten Island installing these services. And I know for certain they went back to Coney Island on the day of. When I was having trouble out here in San Francisco, Dish Network was really just fundamental in terms of making sure that these folks had the opportunity to be able to have a little bit of peace and sort of what they would expect during a disaster. Tell us tell us about your partnership with Viasat and what sort of is it that that really makes this happen when you touch down on a on a ground because wherever you go you, the infrastructure, the entire network, I mean, roads don't exist, let alone that you would have the ability to have your straight up, you know, what you would expect from a DSL connection. So so how do you make sure. that happen? Well, actually, Viasat actually at one point used to uh, operate under the name of Wild Blue. I think they bought Wild Blue, and so now they, they offer also operate under Exceed line but actually we met them in northwest alabama and this has been two a couple of, two or three years ago now and uh, so they we found during the, the disaster there they had an ef5 tornado much like more where we are now and it just totally just decimated these communities small communities you know viasat sent these folks out they sent their installers out they were setting up dishes on the side of the road and put a little access point so that was the only communications and that was really the only reason that ITDRC was there was because, you know, that was the same time they had all those tornadoes go through Alabama on the same day. But the majority of the, but the big cities, the Tuscaloosa hit the Birmingham. So, you know, effectively most of the state resources from Alabama were sent to there. And there were some little communities in northwest Alabama that really had no help. I mean, it was, it took us 40 hours from the time the tornado hit to the time that we arrived on the scene was 40 hours. And there was there were still zero communications at the time in that part of town. But within a day or so, um, Viasat was coming through. They were setting these things. And so we kind of formed a partnership back then. And so they've effectively responded with us to every disaster that we've responded to since. 
and that's been Kentucky and Indiana and, and Braithwaite, Louisiana with Hurricane Isaac last year, uh, Hurricane Sandy this year. I mean, they threw so many resources. We had installers for weeks up there. Obviously, they've been here to Oklahoma. So, I mean, talk about, you know, corporate social responsibility. These folks, they helped us in West Texas. We've still got systems set there. Uh, and so I, I can't say enough good things about Viasat. I mean, they're just, they as a company, they really want to get involved. They don't want their name on the headlines. The first thing that's ever been written about that was, you know, when we responded to West Texas. And, you know, they've been our partner for two or three years now. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of them. I love saying their name simply because any company that, that just throws resources at a disaster like that, I, I feel like should be recognized for that. And so that's the Viaset partnership. I mean, we absolutely love those guys. I mean, they take good care of us. Uh, they take good care of communities. And, and I just can't say enough good things about them. In DISH, and I'm going to have to go this way, you know, DISH, we formed a partnership with them during Sandy, and DISH now owns DISHnet, um, which was the old HughesNet. And so they now are offering us the exact same things. I mean, they're bringing the systems in disaster, and, and I'm talking about, you know, a number of systems, not just a single system. I mean, they're setting these things uh, around town right now in uh, Moore, Oklahoma, for the places that don't have communications, and there are several of them, so... Anyway, that, that's what our partnerships look like. It's just, you know, we kind of scratching each other's backs. And, you know, they're looking for somebody who's on the ground, well-connected, to tell them what the needs are. And they, you know, they deliver the needs. So. Oh, that's fantastic. And, yeah, and I think, you know, one of the most interesting things that I think about, and sort of in terms of how we partnered, when, when we met ITDRC and we look at the volunteer, and this is something that I think is really important for our listeners to know and and something that I really hope is a message that goes forward when when you look at the list of how you can volunteer when you first looked at it it was very much IT centric and then Chris and I got together and we really developed that and ITDRC is now very much an AV well, I'm sorry, I, you have to forgive me. I always put my AV first. <laughs> that's all right. No, no, that's all right. That's, it's, <laughs> that's right for this podcast. So. <laughs> so it is an ITAV-centric organization where I think it's a, it's a very important thing for people to know because when you mention and you talk about the satellite stuff, most people stop and they think satellite is – it's not necessarily an AV integration portion of our industry, but it's very much something that you would think would be more AV-centric. And when you think about the DISH, generally speaking, and when you think about the Viasats, you think satellite, you think more so that's kind of going to fall on my side a little bit more than it's going to fall on your you know, computer hardware network side. So it really sure. just shows like – what an amazing opportunity. And now, when you go to ITDRC, I mean, it's got the full breadth of both IT and AV. And I think the partnerships and the, the relationships and what you have been doing has just really been a testament when everybody talks about how, oh, AVIT should converge, it should do that. Well, you're actually doing it. And that's been something that's always been something that I've been so impressed about is that th- there's no differentiation between you. It's just a matter of kind of boots on the field, 
these are technical people. These are people that can respond, um, whether it's to plugging in a cable or whether it's to tweaking like a satellite so that you can actually get data connectivity. I don't I think a lot of people, at least on our side of the, the table, think a lot about when they think satellite, they just assume it's my, you know, Monday night football or it's my, you know, some type of of TV. They don't really understand the sort of degree with which the the Viasats and the Dish networks actually have this bandwidth and spectrum that delivers data connectivity especially right, in right. a disaster especially in an infrastructure that has been decimated by something that's sort of there's nothing else that anybody can do i i do want to mention one other person in terms of our sandy efforts and this to me just goes to kind of show as much as it's about the uh, the technology one of the the most heartening things to me through everything and I know going forward is it really does come down to the people and I mean we talk about the the JD systems the partner in sound communications who have a foundation for Carl V Binney Memorial Fund who was actually a firefighter who during 9-11 ran through the bridge between Staten Island to get to the the World Trade Center site and subsequently lost his life. There is, but it, it really comes down to the people. I mean, it comes down to that technician who on Thanksgiving Day was responding by the time I got off the phone with Father Armando to say I couldn't help him troubleshoot. Dish tech, There was a dish technician unknown what his name was that was already leaving his family on Thanksgiving and responding to go down and help and make sure that folks had the ability to see the parade. And there's also a woman in AV by the name of Don Alcott. And this woman was truly amazing. So Dave Silken, as I mentioned, basically tore apart his showroom to make sure that the church in Coney Island had this capability to, to play it, but we had nobody to get it there. So when you talk about like, how did we do it? We were literally at like, you know, two o'clock on the day before Thanksgiving, looking into courier services and wondering like how we were going to do that. She hijacked her husband and her two small toddler children. They were on their way into the city to watch the balloons be blown up, which is a big, huge New York thing. She stopped by Dave's office, picked up all of this equipment, literally sat for hours in traffic, what should have been a 45 to an hour drive, even that out of her way, didn't get there until 7 o'clock at night. And literally, by the grace of God, there was somebody that was waiting for her to be able to take the equipment from her that they were going to use the next day. So, I mean, it just yeah. it's just amazing to me that we could have we could have all the technology in the world. But if we don't have the people that are just like truly out of this world, that's what really makes for me anyways, the, the difference in, in, a, in a disaster. Oh, absolutely. And I I echo the same thing. I mean, there are a lot of heroes in this in in this industry for one, you know, and, and they're the everyday heroes. I mean, we had a guy here in Moore, Oklahoma yesterday who was he's a network engineer for one of the big energy companies here. His house said he'd lost his electricity and he wanted to get involved and, and one of the other groups put out a 
a call for a network engineer to come help us with a project. And even though he, he, he was impacted himself, he was still out here giving back. And, and he actually did, you know, several hours worth of work. And, and I can't tell you all the people up here just in Oklahoma City who have kind of set their own personal things aside to, you know, come out and respond and take care of the neighbors. So and we saw a lot of that in, in Sandy and, and clearly Don and Dave and that group. I mean, they're just fantastic. So, I mean, we're, as an organization, ITDRC, I mean, we're so proud of the, AT, the AV industry for them stepping up. And that's just, that's just opened so many new doors for us. Great. And, and we feel the same. And it's just, you know, I mean, we are as proud. And, you know, you can't ever say, nor would you, it, it's a difficult thing to say that you would ever look forward to working together in the future, knowing that it's... <laughs> You know what I mean, Joe. <laughs> I, I do, but I mean, and that's the thing, but is I, I do look forward to working with these people. And, and for the good, that's the whole thing. Right. I, I look forward to working with them for the good because there are so many things. I mean, this community is, you know, and not just this one, I mean, any community that experiences a disaster, I mean, there are, there's going to be a segment of that community that uh, that we can help we can help as an industry or as the dual industries we can help them and whether it's you know taking recycled equipment from california and installing it 2400 miles away in breezy point in a fire station in breezy point that's what we're doing and that's what we're doing as an industry so no i totally agree with you i mean it's just there's a lot we can do together and i do look forward to working with these guys, uh, with all of them, guys and girls. I mean, they just, yeah, it, it's it's very rewarding. And I promise you, once you once you volunteered in disaster, you will have a the biggest hook in your mouth, and you'll want to come back. So yeah, that's great. Well, tell us just briefly what you're doing in more uh, Oklahoma, because we don't want to keep you knowing how late it is and that you are still there in in more Oklahoma. But tell us what it's like to be on the ground and sort of what you're seeing. And well, I. I uh, the first thing I'll say is I apologize for the background noise. I mean, we're in our command bus. We're running on our generator. We're here with Team Rubicon, which is a another nonprofit of, of military veterans who are uh, here doing uh, a technology piece, actually doing some mapping for that. So we're providing uh, satellite and technology support for them. So that our main function right now is to... I, Identify the locations inside of Moore that have no connectivity. I mean, fortunately, the carriers have brought their cows and their colts in to restore the cell signal in most areas. So there's a lot of temporary, uh, there's a lot of temporary cell service here, which is good. But we're actually finding the places, and even the further out, not just in Moore, but I mean, the you know, the day before the Moore tornado, the big tornado, um, there was a nearby, there were several nearby communities that were struck by tornadoes. So we're actually out into the field right now with, you know, identifying places, whether they're, you know, makeshift command centers, whether they're local churches, places like that where we were able to set public connectivity for them. And uh, so that's mostly what we're doing here. We're also working with a lot of the faith-based community for some of their recovery efforts. I mean, the one thing you got to take away is that a disaster doesn't go away when the when the TV cameras go away in 10 days, um, you know, these people here are still going to be rebuilding their lives for the next, you know, one to two years. And that's just, that's just a physical part of it. Mentally, they'll be rebuilding their lives for years. So, so a lot of what we're doing is, you know, trying to make things as easy for them as possible right now. Um, people come by where we are. They charge their cell phones. 
you know, they, they get on the Wi-Fi that we're offering here. I mean, there's some things that we're doing with uh, the Disaster Distress Helpline, which is kind of a crisis uh, counseling, if you will, uh, organization. And so, uh, you know, effectively, we're just, you know, trying to identify the technology and communications needs of the community and put the temporary things in place until the public infrastructure gets repaired. So that's that's our thing. I've been out in the community. I've seen this. You know, for those of you that are not, not familiar with tornadoes, an EF5 tornado is wipe the slab clean tornado. There are a lot of, it, it's not, you know, there are plenty of areas where the houses just imploded or they just blew over to the next, you know, they just blew. But there are a lot of these areas that, you know, where the trees are debarked where the you know where the homes are completely gone and the slabs are just totally clean so there there's a lot of devastation in this community and it's uh, um, it, it's some I, th I think the estimates say that it places it's a mile a mile and a half wide it's, you know upwards 20 miles long so wow. needless to say there's a lot of devastation here so you know there are a lot of relief groups here that's that's really a lot of the folks that we support as well during the response phase is, is just, you know, we try to give them the technology they need to go out and do their job. So we, we like to stay behind the scenes. Wow, you do an amazing job. Joe, give us some thoughts. Leave us with some thoughts. What, having done this for so long, having seen so much of what you have, what is it that we as a community and I mean disaster preparedness is just one thing we all know that we could or should or maybe do that but what do you what do you see for us and what do you see for the future of disaster response and and what we should all be focusing on and paying attention to that not a lot of people are well I, I think a couple of answers I mean one disaster preparedness I mean I, I gotta say you know have a plan I mean whatever that is have a plan and it could be as simple as just saying this is what we're going to do in a disaster, and and it's not, it doesn't have to be a you know a three inch binder with step by step house rebuilding instructions or, or business rebuilding instructions or whatever. But you need to have a plan, and you need to give it some thought. I mean, it's a sit down and think about it. I mean, come to one of our workshops, and we'll we'll try to plant those things in you and talk about you know have alternate suppliers or have ways to pay your employees on Friday even though you've lost your building they still do their they still do their paychecks you know at the end of the week so there's a lot of things that need to be considered when it comes to disaster planning and preparedness and, and then the other part is is you know don't be afraid don't assume that somebody's going to take care of it please don't get into this trap and thinking that well it's up to the government to provide this stuff because it's the communities that recover themselves all disasters are local, and so a disaster in Moore, Oklahoma, is the, the state of Oklahoma can come in, and the FEMA can come in, everybody can come in, but the bottom line is it is up to the city of Moore, Oklahoma, to recover themselves. So I guess I would say don't be afraid to reach out in disaster. Don't think, well, I'm just an AV guy. All I do is you know install systems all day long. Those systems are needed right now, or those your skills are needed right now. So don't be afraid to step up and volunteer in disaster, w whether it's serving in a in a soup kitchen or whether it's you know getting out and and, and wiring up a you know a temporary command center in the back of a church. So I guess that would be my parting thought, which is I mean just make a plan and then don't be afraid to act disaster. So that that would be my parting thought if it is. 
Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so very much. And they can all find all that information at www.itdrc.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And I won't say they can find it all, but they can find a fair amount on there. Um, We have a Facebook page also if they want to see the kind of the lighter side of disaster. We try to post uh, some, some generic pictures, if you will, from our disaster responses on our Facebook page, which is just slash ITDRC. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, we, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of fun and, and we're serious, but, um, you know, it's, it's, we've got to keep it lighthearted, but that's where you can find the lighthearted side of it. Great. And you're also on Twitter as well, correct? <laughs> we are, we are, we, yeah, we, we are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. So, yes. So great. Well, you know, Joe, I, I just can't personally thank you enough for just everything that you do. I'm in every day impressed and awed and grateful for all that you put aside for your own personal gain to, to, to help people who need you and would never be able to thank you. And, you know, there's that saying, you know, you've you never had a good day until you can do something until that somebody can never thank you for. And you are the, the testament to that. So I'm very honored to call you a personal friend, but also from our industry. I'm really grateful for all that you do for everybody and look forward to our continued um, partnership in the future and, and how we can help support you to make sure that it you're able to do what it is that you do. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to really give the credit to all the, the volunteers just from the AV and the IT communities that really are the ones that do the work. I mean, I, I just, you know, there's no way we could do this alone. I mean, it takes all of us. You know, we obviously we have hundreds of them across the country. And, you know, we look forward to doubling, tripling, quadrupling that um, in the future. So, you know, I, I do encourage folks, you know, if they want to get involved, you know, please do, you know, visit our website and see how to get involved. And follow them on Twitter and make sure when it comes up for a gas card that you vote for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And vote for us for a fuel card. That's that, that yeah, that's been, uh, that's been a, such a huge blessing, so. Perfect. Well, thank you, Joe, and and thank you again for all that you do. We look forward, and just for everybody, we're really pleased and excited also to know that don't think that Joe's going to go away anytime soon. Joe, once he gets off the road and settles in a little bit, we're really pleased and excited to know that he is going to be joining the Rave Blog Squad, and so you can look and find him and all of the information and continue to learn about disaster response and and how to get involved and what's going on um, in this very critical and important area at www.ravepubs.com. So thanks again, Joe. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. We are really excited and glad that you could join us. And we're looking forward next month. We will be at Infocom 13 in Orlando. And so we've got a lot of great things and exciting things coming for you there. Uh, Again, we want to thank our sponsors, Rave Pubs Radio and Hypersign. You can visit them at www.hypersign.net and at ravepubsradio.com. We'll talk to you next month.